Anybody there? Hello, hello. Yes, I am. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Let me move this closer. <laughs> How are you today? I'm doing really well. How are you? Oh, pretty, pretty awesome. Uh, sorry about that uh, miscommunication there with the uh, with the Google Meet link. Uh, no, it's so fine. <laughs> I I lost the email and then I found it again, oh, so no. it was all fine. <laughs> All right, sounds good. Well, uh, if you don't mind, I'm really excited to to get started here and to get to know more about you and your creative journey, as well as uh, Things Unsaid, which is uh, your podcast that you mentioned is on its way to its finale, right? Season finale? Yes, the season finale, yeah. Awesome, awesome. So before we get to the podcast, I'm curious to know how you started in your creative journey and that evolution, where, where do you come from and uh, how did the arts begin for you? Um, the arts began for me pretty much in preschool. Um, I, you know, we were singing every day. Um, I went to a Jewish preschool, so I was learning everything in Hebrew mm. um, and just sort of learning songs and Jewish nursery rhymes and things like that. And then my parents put me in dance pretty much instantly. So I've sort of always been performing and involved in the arts um and then from there i got older and the ballet kids started getting really clicky <laughs> and i was like i don't want to i don't want to do this and my best friend at the time was like well i'm in theater and it's really fun and you can hang out with me and so i showed up and immediately got the lead in the secret garden <laughs> And there was photo shoots and there were radio interviews and all these different things. And so uh, obviously I caught the bug because I was like, wow, this is amazing. <laughs> Beginner's luck. I got the star treatment immediately. And yeah, from there, I've just always been really invested in improving myself with music and singing and musical theater and things like that. So, uh, what kind of art were you into at the time or what kind of stuff was was really exciting for you that you were discovering live performance and theater was just like i don't know it felt so natural uh-huh it was it was an all-consuming thing then yes it was sort of everything i did um i took the theater the one theater class at my high school and like studied everything and did summer programs and just like, that was what I wanted to do. Mm. I mean, not originally. Originally, I was like, oh, I'm going to do this through high school. And then I'm going to like study to be a doctor or something. Mm. And that lasted right up until around like my first biology class. <laughs> you said, no, um, this isn't for me. I'm, I'm not. Yeah, I was like, eh, I don't think so. <laughs> and I just sort of was like, it's the thing that makes me happiest delving into different characters and yeah. things like, you know, embodying and getting immersed in these new worlds and things like that. Sure. Sure. Was family fairly approving of this or was there pushback, uh, in family was very approving. Oh, um, <laughs> yeah, my family, well, you know, my parents were the ones who put me in dance to begin with and they gave me piano lessons and they were very and they were very invested in making sure that I had creative outlets because in like fifth grade, I got like a little solo 
in like our little winter show or whatever. Mm -hmm. So they both took off of work and made sure that they were there. Mm -hmm. And then as soon as I started getting roles in musicals and stuff, my mom um, immediately put me in private voice lessons because she was like, I don't want you to hurt yourself. Ah. Uh. So they were very thoughtful about about the whole thing, and yes. there was never any kind of pushback, like you know, what are you going to do with your life, or you know, that sort of thing. Was that a, ever a concern or something that they brought up? It wasn't ever like you need to have a plan B. Mm. But it was definitely like conversations I'm having right now is like just make make sure you're not just doing jobs to make rent. Mm -hmm. Make sure that you're doing other things that excite you. Yeah. And you have other interests. Mm -hmm. So uh, once you you got out of high school, did you pursue you pursued uh, acting and performance yes. uh, in college? Right. So how did that go for you? Um, it went okay. Um, I don't know. My college experience was very singular. I think I graduated in May of 2020. Mm. So yeah, everything is a little bit tainted. By the fact that I like never got a real graduation until this May. Oh wow. Yeah. Um but I've met some of the best educators of my entire life there. People that I still interact with um mm. and still like take lessons from and still seek out to get their advice on things. But that was actually when I started getting into podcasting and voice acting. Mm. Um Voice acting was because I was a vocal performance major. And so, and I realized very quickly that I have a pretty unique sounding voice and I can do a lot with my voice. I have a cold right now, but like <laughs> normally I can like pitch it up and I can do like Disney princess sort of stuff and things uh -huh. like that. And so I was like, oh, that'll be a really fun way for me to still be acting and still be creative. Mm -hmm. Um, so I started like learning about the technology and like the mics and the software and everything that I would need. And then I started listening to a whole bunch of podcasts. Um, I believe the first one I listened to was my brother, my brother and me, mm. yeah. which then led me to listen to the adventure zone, which was how I realized that podcasts could also be um, fictional stories. And then from there I found just like this whole world of audio dramas mm. and fictional stories. And they just were like the perfect thing to listen to, like while I was going to class. And then like, it really engages your imagination because you can't see anything that's happening. You can only hear what's happening. So it's like the opposite of a book, <laughs> but it like has the same, it has the same thing in your brain of like, you have to picture everything that you're hearing. Right. And around that time, so around the same time, you know, I was a freshman in college and I had a very unique voice, which means that it was sort of hard to know where to put me. So mm. I didn't get cast a lot. Right. So I was working backstage at things. Um, and the stagehand at my college gave me the best advice I'd ever heard, which was the perfect role for you hasn't been written yet. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, huh, okay. And then. I had an acting teacher who told me that I was really good at writing as well. Cause we had to do like written logs and journals and stuff. Mm. And she was like, I always love reading yours. And so I was like, well, maybe I can just write the perfect character for myself. And that's when I started coming up with the ideas for things unsaid. That was around 2017, 2018. Mm. 
there's a couple of things. I mean, this is this is wonderful because it really sets the stage for the podcast. But I'm curious of the writing support that you received at school or or how you kind of got to the point where you felt like this is what I need to be doing now. Because yeah. your your voice, you know, obviously is is very specific and I love this idea of taking it upon yourself to create something that hasn't been done that because I think to some degree, like some universities or schools, they say, what are we going to do with you? You know, it's like as if you were the problem, exactly. right? Rather than let's create something, let's make something. So was your school pretty open to original work or was it very much like, let's do the standards and let's do My Fair Lady again, you know, and, and try to put people in there? So my school was very interesting. Um, I went to NYU, mm. but I went to a program called Steinhardt, um, okay. which is a different college. Um, and they had a much more classical based training for their singers. And then they also had a whole bunch of singers who were learning to do contemporary styles. So we sort of did a little bit of everything. Mm. But in terms of new works, that was like taken upon by student groups. So like the actual administration, they would do like one golden age musical and then one musical that was new, but it was written by like an already established composer. So like they brought uh, somebody in uh, to, yeah. to do that sort of thing. Okay. Yeah. So if you wanted like your work to be produced, you had mm -hmm. to go to the student groups. I see. Okay. Which was good. It was a good opportunity. Um, and those were incredibly collaborative. And I was, I loved working with the student groups and stuff like that. But I think my college experience was what I made it. Mm -hmm. I had to find the opportunities myself. They weren't given to me. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if they were really truly looking back. I don't think they were truly like given to anybody on a silver platter, but it was very much like I'm not going to fit the mold of what they're looking for for these shows, so I'm going to find places that are willing to think outside the box. Mm -hmm. And then that gave me the opportunity to play. I started playing a lot of pants roles, a lot of men. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, which was just so fun. <laughs> Usually I was playing the comedic relief. Well, I've always been a very strong comedic actress. And I have the ability to like read out how a joke is supposed to land in a script. You get a feel for that. You feel comfortable with that. Yeah. Hmm. And then because of that, because I was like, I can read how a line is supposed to be delivered in a script. When I started reading more scripts, I started reading, figuring out like how my voice would translate into writing. Because mm -hmm. I'd always, back in middle school, I think, I did a screenwriting summer camp. Like I told my parents I wanted to learn how to write scripts for some reason. <laughs> I don't remember why, but my parents were like, okay, we can, there's a class for that. Oh, bless your parents. They sound amazing. Yeah, <laughs> they, they truly are. It was a combination of like, they wanted, they always wanted to make sure that I wasn't bored during the summer <laughs> because then I would be bothering them. <laughs> so they would put me and my sisters in all sorts of things. But yeah, so I like had in the back of my mind, like this knowledge of like, how you write out a script, the basic formatting and stuff like that. Mm. I think my writing started and has always been strongest in my dialogue of like, I'm just like, let's just get two characters talking to each other and put yeah. that on the page. Yeah. And I think that might come from all of that preparation as a performer. That's one of my favorite things to do uh, because I did train as an actor and, and I've always been a writer, but 
the moment I got a feel for a performance, that's when my script started getting better because you you have a sense of that internal motion that that actors need to actually carry that script. And it's it's so exciting to see. But it appears that you have all of the tools that you needed to actually start production, hit the ground running the moment you graduated. But the circumstances weren't ideal, right? You have COVID, the no. pandemic, can't perform. Can you tell me a bit about what that was like graduating and Oof. just hitting that wall as a performer yeah. who needs to be in front of people? Yes. I So I graduated in my neighbor's backyard <laughs> on Zoom. Oh, wow. Um, couldn't even do my own house because there was, an, for some reason, our internet provider was having a sh- uh, blackout because oh, no. too many people were on the internet. <laughs> they, it's so weird to think, but even two years ago, they weren't prepared for so many people to be online at the same time in like each <laughs> neighborhood. So yeah, I was, my, my neighbors were very kind and they were like, we just won't go outside. You guys wear your masks <laughs> and you can sit outside. Oh, and I watched goodness. my little video and they sent me, they sent us in the mail, um, a graduation cap which, oh, used to be hanging over there, Um, used to be hanging behind me, and, like, a little baggie of confetti. (laughs) And it was so sad. Oh, man. Yeah. And in the midst of that, like, I think right, oh, gosh, it was, like, April of 2020. So before I graduated, um, I put out the first episode of the podcast because... In my mind, I was like, well, there's nothing else to be doing. Mm. And my acting professor at the time was incredibly supportive of this project because I had been working on it. I had taken the scripts to the Austin Film Festival and gotten Mm. them reviewed and um, actually placed in the top 20% with the pilot. So like, I knew I had something and I had friends and people that I had met through other people that were able to help me with editing the scripts. and directing and engineering and all of the like software and everything like that because that was the biggest learning curve for me was learning that i can't do it all entirely by myself Mm. right because i was like oh i'll just do this little project where it's just like me talking into a microphone and then i edit it on my own and then i run all the social media and then i do everything (laughs) and um i my mentor was very quickly like you can't do that. You're going to burn out. Mm. And I did. Um, I burned out in December of 2020 Mm. and life just continued to get in the way. So our upload schedule wasn't coming out regularly. And so, and then I started getting down on myself and I started not even doubting myself, but I started getting into this place of like, I would be paralyzed thinking about how much work I had to do for the podcast. Yeah, yeah. So being in that state, what does it take to get back to square one to feel like you're on solid ground and you can move forward? What was that approach to mend everything back together? For me, the approach I took was offloading things from my plate and saying and reminding myself I don't have to do it all on my own. And I have people who are willing to help me. So all I have to do is just say, hey, I need you to choose which takes are the ones that we want to use in the episode. Yeah. And then send that back to me and I can turn that into a full episode. And then I can send that to the engineer 
there's a lot of back and forth in our process, but just like asking for help is the thing that really got me back to where I needed to be is because I, I used to be such a like, if you want something done right, you have to do it yourself kind of person. And it just wasn't sustainable. It wasn't sustainable for me to try to put everything on myself. Right, right. So in terms of the story, what is the thing about the story that you think compels people to come and work with you on this? Um, what, can you tell me a bit about, well, first of all, to backtrack even a little bit more, how do you find that story and what do you think the story can provide others so that they wanted to come and join you on the journey? Yeah. Um, the way that I found the story was I got like a little news notification on my phone that was explaining that in November of 2016, a whole bunch of documents from the CIA became public domain. Mm. And in those documents, there was anything from recipes for invisible ink, anything to do with the JFK assassination, um, and statements saying that the CIA has departments on aliens. Mm. And like looking into UFOs and like the potential of extraterrestrial life. But because this all happened in November of 2016, no one cared because they were so, <laughs> everyone was so like preoccupied yeah, yeah. with the election. Right. And so I was like, oh, that's so interesting. So like we've been looking into, are there aliens mm. out there? And then somewhere along the way, I was like, well, what if the aliens had already found us? Right. Those were the initial pieces that, that made you want to put it. Yeah. So how do you go from taking that information and making it personal, creating some characters around that? So I instantly was like, I want to do a story about family and about humanity. I want to do something involving like a mystery aspect. Mm. And I don't know how I came to this, but I decided that my character, my main, the main character, her mother is a deaf journalist mm. who goes missing. And the daughter, who's played by me, is trying to find where her mother went to and whether her like most recent investigation had anything to do with where she is now. Mm. And so the first season is just basically the way I would pitch it to my friends who are all the people who are working with me. Um, I'm very lucky to have a whole slew of very talented friends <laughs> who happen to have recording setups. And I was like, will you help me find this person? Will you play a character that has a part in finding my mom, so to speak? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think a lot of my friends especially right after graduation, we're just like, oh, it's an opportunity for me to do something creative. Yeah. And it's an opportunity to work with someone that we know and like. Mm -hmm. It's an easy thing to put on my resume. And mm -hmm. so it just sort of became that sort of thing of like, will you help me out? And yeah. I'll also be helping you out. Yeah. And you know, that's the very exciting and the very exciting thing that happens during times of difficulty is as long as you got a reliable group of people who you know as friends, decent human beings, everything seems to work out. <laughs> you know, yes. things seem to uh, 100%. go in the right direction. So 
from the time you started the show until until now where we are, can you share a, uh, maybe some experiences, learning experiences about producing the work that that really taught you something that you were able to overcome and you know that might be useful for anyone who's starting out you know with uh, fiction work in podcasting? The biggest thing that I had to learn was not to set too high of expectations and not get disappointed when it doesn't immediately take off. Mm-hmm. I think part of that is like, I have to do all my own marketing. And I don't know. It was, it was just learning how to juggle all the different things that you have to and realize that like every now and again, one of those things has to go. And yeah. that's okay. It doesn't mean the entire project is a failure. You can also put something down and come back to it. Right. You can also um, think ahead. So, you know, I'm like halfway through, not halfway, more than halfway, but like a significant way through writing season two. Mm. Because every time I was like, ugh, I can't think about this season right now, I would just like open <laughs> and I would write dialogue for season two and be like, okay, so I know where I want to go. Let's figure out how we can get there. Um, it's a lot of organization. It's a lot of communication and especially now that none of us none of my team have have met each other in person (laughs) really (laughs) no because we were scattered across the country and then you know one person was busy and like i'm pretty sure that our season one cast party is going to be the first time that everybody meets wow but that's that's which is exciting Yeah, 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 absolutely. And I think it just goes to show it's a sign of the times when you can create something that's so powerful and so involved, even without having met somebody in person. But uh, I'm sure the creative relationships are there. So when it comes to writing, do you have things pretty clearly written out until the finale? Or are you evolving the story as you go? Are there new discoveries that influence the ending? or? Do you keep that North Star constantly in front of you? So I always knew how season one was going to end, and I always knew how season two was going to end. And and then it was sort of like, and then I knew all the different pieces. Mm-hmm. So it was just a matter of putting the puzzle together. What I actually did for season one was I used, I wrote every single piece of the story and like every single plot point on a sticky note. Mm. And I just moved them around on a whiteboard <laughs> until I had enough, until I had, I think it was 12 episodes. And then I realized that a couple of those episodes had too many things happening in them at once. So I expanded to 15 episodes mm-hmm. just to make sure that everything could get the attention it deserves. Mm-hmm. And so that I'm not, because with a mystery, it's very hard to make sure that you're like dropping breadcrumbs at the right intervals. So that people can figure it out on their own. Yeah. Yeah. With, but also not be like, it's so clearly obvious, like (laughs) where the mom is. Yeah. It's a delicate act um, to balance. And so I put, you know, I literally visually put everything in front of me to write that out. Um, As for the writing in the episodes themselves, I have, um, Actually, my co-star is also a writer. 
Mm. And so he is my script editor. Oh, that's great. And yeah. Yeah. And every now and again, I'll be like, I just can't, if I have writer's block or something, I'll be like, do you want to take a stab at writing this scene? Mm. And then I'll go back and edit it, make sure the characters' voices are like exactly what I imagine. And he goes through every single one of my scripts and sort of says, this paragraph, I don't know what you're getting at. Mm. Or, I don't know, we've developed a language like over yeah. time. That was, that was like definitely a learning experience for both of us. Figuring out for me not to get my feelings hurt and for him not to be like, this part is messy. <laughs> and I'd be like, well, that doesn't help me. <laughs> like, yeah, having to... That takes a lot like, of trust. Exactly. And I absolutely trust him with this project and trust his insight and that he believes in the project as much as I do. Yeah, absolutely. Regarding your your lead here that you're playing, and I actually listened to some of the episodes and I want to commend you for oh, nice. the production. The the performance is great and I'm very engaged and I'm going to keep listening to oh, the season you. finale. It's going to be great. but. How do you go about creating this character who is very much, you know, in your voice, right? But mm -hmm. what are some things that, that define this character for you? Or how do you approach it as a performer? For me, this character is all about her objective. She's very, at, in this moment, which is, the show starts out in a traumatic moment for her. You know, mm -hmm. her mother has gone missing. Yeah. And she is almost tunnel visioned into, I have to find this person. Mm. And like, my life cannot go back to how it was, or like my life can't go back to normal until I do. And so for me, getting into that character is just like, both in writing her and in performing her, is how am I going to get what I need? Mm -hmm. And how is the person that I'm talking to right now preventing that from happening? Sure, sure. Yeah. Which means that she develops a bit of a combative attitude of like everybody's against her mm. because she is in this position of like just being told to sit and wait and let the police do what they're doing. And she's sort of like, no, that's you're missing important things. Right. And she's she's driven by that need to obviously see a loved one again and and make sure that. uh Things don't go unnoticed, but it's yeah. very effective. It's a very effective form for that because I love that it's singularly your perspective as a character in in the story. And yes, you're getting other pieces. And it, I'm only in episode two, beginning of episode three, I think. Oh, yeah. And and so there's a lot to come in, I'm sure. But just as you're setting the stage, I really appreciated that because a lot of people get impatient and they want to throw a lot of stuff at you all at once. And it seems like you're you're very conscious of this and you're just giving us a little bit at a time. And I really think that that's such an effective thing. Um, yeah. It's more enjoyable to me. <laughs> but yeah. I don't know how you feel about it. Like, No, like it's that. that was exactly what I was going for is because um, originally it had been, I was like, oh, 10 episodes sounds like a good first season. And mm -hmm. it was just like, boom, boom, boom. Everything is happening. And I was like, there's no room to breathe. Mm. There's yeah. no room for these characters to like sit and reflect on the situation that they're in, which like, 
you know, I tried to approach this with a lot of empathy of like, oh my God, if my mom just like disappeared, yeah, I would not be just like, go, go, go. <laughs> just glossing over everything and moving, moving. Yeah, yeah. And, and also like, realistically, investigations do not go smoothly mm-hmm. because we don't live in a perfect world. And also there's a lot of bureaucracy that like, of like having to fill out forms and whatnot. So mm-hmm. like things take time. So I got a couple more questions to be mindful of, of course. your time, but, uh, oh, of course. as you, as you're about done with, with the finale, did you already produce it or is it still kind of in the works? Uh, you're still producing it. Um, so that one hasn't been recorded yet because okay. I have a cold. <laughs> so we've had to put it off. Yeah. What is the aim there in terms of production? What do you want to achieve with it? And what do you want to do better in the next season? The aim right now is to get this season out there so that people can listen to the entire season and then we'll take like a six month break, like a, mm. a planned six month break where we're still working, but nobody's expecting episodes mm-hmm. so that we can have three or four episodes pre recorded. Because right now, um, because life kept getting in the way, we we started with like three episodes recorded, and now it's become record an episode, put it out, record an episode, put it out, which is mm. just like so stressful <laughs> for everybody. So, and it also makes it difficult to like do things in a timely manner. Mm-hmm. So, there's been a lot of it's been a very irregular upload schedule. So that's like my my number one goal is to get more regularity mm-hmm. with the uploads. Yeah. Two more questions here. The first one being, yeah, what would you like the audience to take away from the show? As of right now, for the episodes that are out, I want them to take away. I want them to take away empathy, and sort of like, what would you do mm-hmm. in this sort of situation? And thinking about like this is a family, like the whole family is going to be affected, mm-hmm. and like open mindedness towards what other people are going through it's become more prescient with covid and everything else going on that like you never know what someone else is going through but just the idea of like there's a whole world out there not even that we are very small or anything like that but just like we're one piece of a huge puzzle awesome awesome so oh i remember one more one more okay okay (laughs) yeah Um, no go for it now that, that COVID is sort of here, sort of not here, uh, there's more performance spaces coming back online. Do you feel that you are getting the same kind of reward as a, as a digital performer than being back on stage? Is that something that you, um, that you want to keep pursuing alongside this? Or, or what are your thoughts on going back to the stage now? Um, I actually have gone back to the stage. I did three okay. shows this year. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. And for me, this is a job, but it's also not one that makes money. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's sort of balancing how it's like a career, but also a passion project at the same time. But for me, this is much more rewarding. Mm. It's much because I've put so much of myself into this and I've invested so much that I feel much more personally rewarded for it. 
No, I, I totally get that. That's, that's the best. And lastly, I want to ask you, what would you say to somebody who is hesitating on creating their own work as a performer? What should you be doing as a performer if you're not getting the parts, if you're not getting those roles? And how can something like this benefit you as an artist and, and creative? So it's sort of two things. On a practical front, write everything down. Write down all of your ideas and have like physical outlines for what you want, for what story you want to tell. Because if you keep it all in your head, it's impossible to keep things from getting too esoteric and too Mm -hmm. confused. The other thing um, on a more emotional level is make sure you're making friends. Like, Mm. because you cannot do it on your own. Like, I wouldn't, I'm I'm sure you could, but it would take so much out of you and you'd be depriving yourself of the opportunity to make amazing connections with other people that could then benefit you down the line when they need someone and they're like, oh, I know Julia can do this. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I just, one of my best career advices is just be nice to everybody. (laughs) Um, In the sense that respect is a right. It's not a privilege to be earned. That's like a big thing that I have been saying for years. So treat others the way you want to be treated. And then if they don't return that, then you know, okay, that's someone that maybe I don't want to work with, but it doesn't mean that you can let, you need to like be mean back or anything. Just you're always networking and, and that's not a bad thing. I think that can be a really good thing because it gives you a wider net to cast when you're looking for people to help you and you're looking for all sorts of new projects and, you know, you're trying to do something new. Mm-hmm. Always have in the back of your head of like, not even how can this person help me? Because that's like very Machiavelli. (laughs) But like, how can I help this person? Like, how can we help each other Mm -hmm. get where we both want to go? Well, I think that's a a wonderful note to end on. But Julia, I want to thank you for sharing these insights, for having the tenacity to create your own work, which takes a lot of courage, a lot of strength determination it's a beautiful reminder to to be kind creatively to remind us how to collaborate and to continue that independent spirit of just getting stuff done and doing things so exactly uh i greatly appreciate it and uh yeah i thank you so much for your time for talking with me today. thank you so much yeah have a good one yeah you too i'll be in touch later on the internet okay all right take (laughs) care take care Bye. bye